What is up, wrestling fans? Welcome to another pay-per-view point of the Smartout Moment Smack Talk podcast. It's time for us to get into NXT TakeOver New Orleans talk. We're going to break down everything that happened on the show, our thoughts about the matches and everything else in the meantime, what we liked, what we didn't like, and blah, 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 all the other kind of stuff that we normally do here. And as far as the people that are going to be doing that, well, I'm your host as always, Tony Mango, and joining me on this edition, we've got Callum Wiggins. What's up, everybody? Robert DeFelice. What up, what up? And you may remember him from many, many, many moons ago, Braden Mayhew. Certainly feels good to be back, Tony, I must say. Uh, I uh, am going to disagree with you on that one, because I have done so many goddamn podcasts that it's not good to be <laughs> back on the podcast. <laughs> no, I'm kidding, of course. Uh, I love doing the podcast more than I do writing the articles. So, um, this is fun. Uh, later, when I have to do two articles based off of this i'll get a little bit frustrated (laughs) at the very least this was a damn good event and that's going to be so much fun to talk about and um we're just going to start things off the way that we normally start off the very beginning of the night the pre-show unfortunately we have to start with a negative uh the pre-show for those who didn't watch it it was hosted by charlie caruso who looked fucking phenomenal at that hall of fame i have to say jesus you know, if anybody's going to stand out at the Hall of Fame, Charlie just, pow. Uh, he was looking good. Uh, she she wins the Hall of Fame for me. <laughs> uh, we also had Sam Roberts, who, he had a really funny part of the night where, I forget exactly what he had said verbatim, but he was saying something about, like, you know, this card's going to be really great and whatever, and I'm just, man, I'm, I'm, I can't wait to see it and whatever. <laughs> it was really kind of sad. <laughs> And a newcomer to the broadcast team, former NFL player Pat McAfee, who anybody who's followed enough of this stuff knows I do not follow football. I have no idea um, who Pat McAfee is, but the one thing I garnered from this is he is a fan because he was marking out constantly. <laughs> this guy, uh, I mean, he was energetic. And he had a lot of, you know, like chutzpah or whatever you want to pizzazz to him. And he wasn't all that bad of a speaker for the most part, but he really just kind of stumbled around every once in a while where it was just kind of like, oh, who was it that he was talking about? He was talking to somebody, it was like an Alistair Black or somebody, and he's just sort of like, hey, it's uh, Pat McAfee, NFL player, I'm a big fan, and, uh, you know, whatever. And he did that like multiple times and stuff, and... Uh, he was, um, he was like a little kid, uh, kind of caught in the midst of everything, which I thought was pretty funny. Um, didn't like it <laughs> all that much. The pre-show is the pre-show. It always sucks. And especially when it comes to NXT takeovers, they never do anything but talk. So, you I don't know, man. Nothing. This one was pretty memorable because that dude was a meme machine for me. He's... He's talking about Shayna Baszler, and he keeps saying tap, nap, or crap. (laughs) He keeps saying, or crap, and they had to correct him, and he's like, well, if I was in that chokehold, I'd probably crap. (laughs) And then he must have done something with Adam Cole at some point in his indie career, because he's like, hey, Adam, it's me, Pat McAfee. I cost your match that one time. Uh, Yeah. I got a I got a mic now and a headset and I'm more important than you now and uh by the way you're going on first. What do you think about that? Yeah. <laughs> this is very strange. Very strange. Uh 
But if you missed it, you really didn't miss anything. Um, the thing that you missed the most, though, as far as like the most awkward things, they did not know how to end that Candice LeRae segment. Oh, no, they didn't. They were like, uh, yeah, Charlie Caruso kind of seemed like she was trying to force sadness. And uh, Candice is just like looking down, looking sad. She's like, come on, wrap it up. Let's go. Yeah, she <laughs> Let's looked go. bored more than anything. And it almost kind of felt like Candace was supposed to be, I don't know, saying something and they were waiting for her to say it. Or Charlie was supposed to be setting her up for something. And it was very awkward. And you could tell that it was just sort of like, what do we do? What do we do? What do we do? Uh, okay. Go uh, <laughs> look up. Look to the left. Look down. Look sad. Look happy. Uh, Charlie, just say, see you later. <laughs> it was very, very strange. Um, but, eh. It is what it is. It's pre-show, which turns us into the actual start of the night and the, you know, lights are out. Fans are all chanting NXT. You start hearing a little bit of like, and I'm like, uh, okay. Then this music starts playing and I'm thinking to myself, did they change somebody's theme? Who the fuck is coming out? And then there's a band on the stage, Kane Hill. Well, I think you missed it because they did announce that Kane Hill would be opening the show. They did, but I'm just so tired and like I've been keeping track of so many things that I completely forgot about that aspect to it. So, I mean, I don't know who Kane Hill is. Like I knew that like as soon as they started playing and stuff and I started to realize like that's what was going on. It was like, "Oh, okay, that's that that Kane Hill band or whatever." But I don't follow bands. I don't even follow bands that I would like. Let alone, uh, I'm so mad at everything. I'm, I'm just angry. Like that kind of thing. I, I personally prefer Kane Valley instead of Kane Hill, but that's just me. I was waiting um, for somebody to do it, and it's got to be Kane or something. My <laughs> <laughs> God, that's got to be Kane. Cypress Hill. Hill. Cypress Hill, I'm looking at you. Is this your orchestra? <laughs> they sell propane and propane accessories. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, did anybody like this? Uh, it was, it was I okay. like the style of the music. Like, I don't think the performance is all that good. It reminded me of when Saliva opened WrestleMania 18, and like they just kind of played the montage on the Titantron, but it was all really like low on the on the audio on the show, and you couldn't really hear them all that well. And they're trying to show the opening package, and it came across a little weird, but you know. Different way, better than Kid Rock. Not gonna complain. <laughs> you get it out of the way in like four minutes in the opening segment. I'm pretty much happy with it. You can just, as long as it's not stretched out or right bang in the middle of a show, then I'm usually quite happy with a musical performance, even if like it does Kid suck. Rock. Yeah, it was kind of short and sweet, so that's a benefit. I think it clocked in at six minutes, which is like, eh, you know, that's fine. And that's actually, uh, it was eight oh six when I looked at like the time itself, so. You got to factor in a minute or so of them just waiting for the NXT chance to die down and stuff like that. So, yeah, five-minute thing. Uh, it's not offensive, even though I think that the music sucked. <laughs> it's not my not my jam. But we all have different tastes, you know. And uh, I was talking to um, Awesome Piano Man about the WrestleMania set for tomorrow. He was like, you know, like, so what do you think? And I was like, eh, I know what they're going for, and it, it works for what they're going for, but I don't like it because it's not something I like. So if you like it, it's great. If you don't like it, it looks weird, you know. I, so. I, I don't like it personally. It looks way too playful, and it's just 
it's way too, hey, remember that time we were in New Orleans and it's not enough WrestleMania and it's too much New Orleans and I don't like it. But I mean, that's the kind of thing where it comes to like the band stuff. Like this was the theme for it. It's not something where they just decided to add a random musical performance in the middle of nowhere for the sake of it. Like it's, you know, if they would have just done, I don't know, say you pick a random ass band. I don't even know who fucking is popular now. Uh, Cardi B, for instance, she's somebody. Uh, <laughs> pick a random ass band. Hey, Cardi B. Yeah, I don't know. I, was, I heard that name before, and she's, uh, I guess, like the train wreck of the month or something. And, uh, <laughs> You know, if they would have just had her come out and be like, so she's somebody and like, let's have her perform so we can get on some media coverage, then it would have been more annoying. But it's the theme for the event. Triple H clearly loves this type of music and everything. And if you like the the band, if you like the music or whatever, then it's cool for you. I didn't like it, but it was over pretty quick. So it was fine. And the fact that they did that little uh, video package and stuff on top made it a little bit easier, too, because if it's just stare at them perform like what i kind of think is going to happen with kid rock i don't think they're doing kid rock i, I feel kind of confident that they might not be doing it thank god didn't they announce it did they? oh god did they i thought that they did do you guys know uh, i don't know i thought that they had announced uh chloe by hallie and elias and kid rock as all having musical uh, musical performances Oh, maybe not. Maybe they, you know, if they have, I haven't paid any attention to it. Yeah. Well, it'd be better if he does that than if he goes out there and starts talking politics. At the very least, uh, he's gonna body slam Democrats. Damn it. <laughs> uh, but anyway, that led into the first match of the night, which is actually one of the reasons why it was a good time to do that musical performance. There was because we didn't really have much of a video package for the North American Championship because we don't have feuds necessarily going on it's just here's six guys we got a new title this is going to be awesome and good way to kind of usher that in and we get ec3 killian dane lars sullivan adam cole velveteen dream and ricochet coming out the north american championship was on the line in the ladder match god damn this is a good match oh my gosh i think it stole the show to be honest if it didn't it's the number two match of the night and that's saying a lot because the other match that would have been on that is so fucking high up. Like both this and the other match we'll talk about later on are already on my list for match of the year. Absolutely. That might've been the best multi-man ladder match I've seen since maybe the first money in the bank. It was crazy. (laughs) It was fantastic. In in a show which had like so much, like all the other matches were kind of based on a lot of good storytelling it was just really good start of the show, just a match where it was just people throwing each other into ladders and everything else. It was just a complete spot fest, but it was brilliantly done. One of the things that I had pointed out, I was talking to my friend, you guys might remember him, uh, Urban, I mentioned him once in a while, and he said something about, uh, he was like, you know, so like, what are your predictions for Mania tomorrow? And I was basically just kind of like, wait until fucking tomorrow, dude, I'll see you tomorrow, like that kind of thing. And, um... He said about NXT, and he's like, I've never seen a minute of NXT. And I was just like, dude, you're missing out so much. This match itself that's on right now is worth watching already. And he's like, you know, like, eh, like, what do you think? And whatever. And I was like, dude, they just had a segment where the fans were chanting, throw him back, because the two biggest dudes in the match were tossing the uh, one of the smaller guys around. And the announcers said, King Kong, meet Godzilla. This is what you're missing out on, man. Like... <laughs> 
there were so many spots in that match, specifically when Sullivan threw, I believe it was EC3 through Velveteen Dream or vice versa, Velveteen Dream through EC3. I said, okay, Cole's winning the match right now. And then Cole got driven by Killian Dane through Ricochet. It was just so much was happening. And at any point, it could have ended and still been a five-star match. And they kept going. And it was so good. And real quick, loved Velveteen Dream's gear. My God. That was another thing I needed to add to my list of the end of the year awards. I was like, oh, shit, I don't have anybody written down for best uh, clothing of the year. I was like, all right, I gotta add him down. <laughs> but, I don't know if like, yeah, you guys... like uh, Velveteen Dream had a couple of really good spots in this match. He had that massive elbow drop off that really tall ladder. Oh, and he, man. I think he, it was on Lars Sullivan, I believe, right? Yeah. 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 It was him. You know, that, ladder, yeah, that elbow drop. Yeah, it was the that fact that he stood easy. on, like, yeah, he stood right on the top of it. And you could just yeah. see, like, you just see, like, oh my God, just one misstep to anything. And he's just going, like, not just forwards, but backwards. Like, you could see the paddock on his face too. He was just kind of like, ah, shit. <laughs> and then he uh, he also did the rolling Death Valley driver on oh Ricochet, which nearly broke both of them in half. It's like, wow, this is crazy. This is and crazy. they got up and did more. They did more after mm-hmm. that. That match was so good for the fans to be able to chant, "Please don't die," about <laughs> three quarters of the way through the match, and you still not even just anybody in the match but those people in particular are still doing spots and i don't i don't see anything about news reports about anybody getting injured or anything like that and that is so phenomenal and everybody in this match at some point they did something that made me just boost them up so much more like velveteen dream is a guy that as soon as he popped up on tough enough i was thinking to myself i'm like I like this guy. I think he's got a lot of upside. If they don't pick him for tough enough, they better sign him. So happy to see that they signed him. And he's been proving himself more and more and more lately. And this match in particular, at the oh, end yeah. of it, I was just like, he's a fucking ring general and he's 22? What? Is that what they said that he was? He's 22? Yeah, yeah. Like, oh my Jesus, God. dude. I can call this guy a kid now that I'm 30. And he is <laughs> the type of person who is like commandeering the other people in the match more than anybody else and being able to do things safe and being able to like there was that that part with the rolling death valley driver where ricochet he was like moving the ladder around too much and you can see that velveteen dream was like oh no we got to move the ladder around this way that's the safer way and whatever and i'm like this guy's fucking amazing and he's not even the only one that's good in the match too that's the thing it's like ricochet Ricochet. bouncing around like a lunatic yeah, and stuff like his first spot that running uh shooting star press off the top rope <laughs> right out to the floor and i believe it was on uh killian dane and lars sullivan he took out the two biggest guys in the match crazy spot within and like 45 seconds of the match and the, this match of course the the only thing i have to criticize this match for is before they literally did one single move the fans were chanting this is awesome <laughs> And I was sitting there going, oh my god, don't tell me that they're going to have like their expectations too high and this is going to like not turn out to be as good and then the fans are going to crap all over it and stuff. And within a minute, Ricochet's doing that and I'm like, no, nah, never mind. <laughs> all right. <laughs> this is going to be great. I, I just, I love the spot like in the middle. I don't know if it was near the middle, but it was um, Adam Cole doing his super kick party. 
which obviously oh, they used the phrase super kick party again to steal from the young bucks but they don't mind that because it's wwe and every single sell from the super kick was amazing it wasn't just so much the fact that it was hitting people with super kick all the time it was like filtering dream lent back completely far and uh, ricochet sell from jumping from a springboard into it it was just people would like selling their ass off in this entire match it was incredible adam cole did five consecutive super kicks that were better than any super kick that dolph ziggler has done in a year hard to argue love me some adam cole i am a giant fucking dolph ziggler fan and i think that adam cole is a little bit overrated but i have to call uh call it the way it is and give credit where it's due those super kicks were great and i label it Super kick city question mark in my notes, <laughs> not super kick party, but yeah, same thing, you know. And it's right Mark next to Suplex Sullivan City. Walked up the steps with a ladder, threw it at the rest of the guys, <laughs> then came in with the ladder, put it around his neck, and just started wailing on everybody. This match was so fucking good. <laughs> and you see three. He's pulling like there's a great part at the very beginning where Sullivan and Dane are they're cleaning house and everything and ec3 is just like yeah yeah you two fucking fight now and then they're like all right we're gonna kick your ass and he's just like oh shit you know he played his part to a t adam cole doing his shit he over as fuck tonight more than probably almost anybody yeah. uh potentially maybe gargano more than him uh but the crowd the crowd was like chanting fight forever towards the end of it and i was saying well i hope they don't because there will be a death at some point if mm-hmm. they do do that <laughs> so, and mario yeah. ronaldo got in a sweet infinity war reference commentary. <laughs> <laughs> i loved that the uh infinity war and this is like the infinity war of nxt but it's not for the infinity stones it's who's got the stones to do this or whatever and i'm like <laughs> yes and then he's uh you know and there goes uh thanos climbing up and whatever Deadshot uh, Daiquiri, by the way, leaving a comment on our predictions right now since we don't have this uh, video up yet. He says, I watched it. I'm blown the hell away. Damn right, man. We're going to you know, keep running this down, obviously, because that's the point of this whole podcast and stuff. But yeah, fight forever. Please don't die. Throw him back. This is awesome. The crowd clearly just so invested in this and every reason to be because... I mean, EC3 doing his stuff, Adam Cole doing his stuff, Velveteen Dream proving how fucking great he is, Ricochet living up to the hype, and even Lars Sullivan and Killian Dane, man. Those two could have easily just been the boring powerhouse guys that hold up the ladder for other people, and instead, you got Killian Dane doing Vader bombs and stuff, and... And they're the two biggest guys in the match. Lars Sullivan did the freak accident to Killian Dane off of a ladder. Like, what the fuck? If I could recall, there was only one botch I remember seeing, and that was Ricochet jumping off onto uh, Lars Sullivan. But that was one of those things where it was just like, well, no wonder. I mean, they're jumping at a weird angle and stuff. It's going to happen. But it still looked like it was pretty good. I did say those ladders would beat the shit as well because it was kind of hard to stand on them because they would look so crooked because so many people had landed on them throughout the entire match. Mm -hmm. This was just so fucking good. And credit... Where it's due, man. Uh, I did not think that Adam Cole was going to win this. I am so mad that I had him as my number two and not my number one. I marked the fuck out when Adam Cole won. And the the one great thing that this match did was if you want to make a championship seem important, what better way than the first match being contested for it? People are going to remember this bout. And not even a scenario where somebody won through any kind of like dubious means or it was like put on a weak champion or whatever. You got 
six really strong contenders and they fight for it like they fucking won it. How this good was, is that? Yeah, this was Adam Cole's like coming out party. I mean, he's he's obviously been in NXT <laughs> for a while now, but he never got anything that was like really big or tangible. He was kind of just in the background when he should have been competing for the well, most people would expect he'd be fighting for the world championship. Now he's got a title to himself. Now he's got a chance to be a prominent part in NXT as he should be. And yes. as we as we'll talk about later on, there seems to be a lot of movement going on in the undisputed era. So it's this is the, uh, the worst thing for me to have a reaction to. But when you said this is Adam Cole's coming out party, the first thing that popped in my mind was Adam Cole, gaby. Ah, <laughs> 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 oh, oh. terrible. <laughs> so Adam Cole <laughs> he wins this and immediately I go oh shit I'm getting these predictions wrong <laughs> yeah, I figured that's gonna have a, something to do with the tag title later on and we'll get to that when we get to that but um, yeah this started off in a way that I thought to myself I don't know if this is gonna be a good thing or a bad thing for this card because if they started off this damn well what if they can't follow it up? Well, the next thing we see is we got Shayna Baszler and Ember Moon. And <laughs> we have another musical performance. And Ember Moon, I know that Robert's going to disagree with me on this. Uh, she looked drunk as fuck to me. <laughs> the way that she was dancing around, she reminded me of the girl at a party who's blitzed off of her mind and just going like... This is my song. Oh, I just <laughs> love this. Just somebody dance with me. Like, kind of <laughs> just twisting around and, you know, kind of like, a, I don't know, hippie at Woodstock or something like that. Just being like, can't you just feel the music? That's why my name is Ember Moon. Like, you know, <laughs> I'm in, what's that fucking uh, thing that's going around where people are like, oh, the moon is in such and such or whatever. I don't know. Not like a blue moon, or it's some kind of phrase. Strawberry moon? Nah, it's some kind of the phase for a lunar cycle or whatever like that, I don't know. Point being, uh, the hippie ever moon coming out and um, did not like the theme this time around, this rendition. So who, I didn't know that Lizzie Hale sung her theme song. So who is she, Lizzie I Hale? She, I don't, uh, I don't, go ahead, Cal. I was going to say, I don't think she does, considering how she sung that version of it. <laughs> yeah, it was super weird to me because then Kane Hale jumped in and I was like, alright, this is weird but I was cool watching Ember dance, so I didn't mind. <laughs> didn't mind it. So, wait, who is Lizzie Hale though? Like, oh, she's is she like an actual singer. thing? <laughs> yeah, she's the lead singer of this group Hailstorm and, you know, she's kind of like one of the main rock front women and i know she's friends with jericho i don't know if that's how she got on this but i just thought it was cool to see her it was different so ember moon's theme is free the flame featuring leslie roy yeah that was not nope Uh so interesting that makes a little bit of sense then it didn't come off really all that well to me but again maybe you liked it maybe you didn't it's subjective Tell me to fuck just, off. I'm sure you're going to anyway. I just thought it was weird because she's singing and then Kane Hill just like jumped in as she's walking to the ring. It's like, oh, that's different. Okay. Well, the match itself, 
Way better I thought, than I expected. A little yeah. bit awkward a couple times. Not bad. What'd you think of the uh, shoulder post spot? Where, like, uh, popping her shoulder arm, back in? So, yeah. So, I like uh, that. What's her face? Shannon Baszler had to pop her shoulder back in by ramming herself into the ring post. I thought that was cool. That was actually one of my favorite parts about it. I like that. You know, good little storytelling element to it. And Shannon Baszler's tough. She pops her shoulder back in, wins the title. I like that. A couple um, little awkward spots, but, like, it wasn't anything to be, like, complaining about or anything. Like, I thought it was fine. Yeah, it was okay. I think that it would have been better if they put the title on her back at the previous takeover. They have her lose just to win here. Wouldn't have been, wouldn't have mattered more the first time she had a title match. I don't know. No, because Ronda Rousey wasn't in the crowd to celebrate. Oh, okay. <laughs> there you go. Which uh, they were missing Marina. She just never shows up. Her husband's there. Her Three other horsemen, uh, horsemen, yeah, horsewomen are there. Actually, Ric Flair tweeted out something last night and said, like, Ronda Rousey could have been a horseman. <laughs> um, that was a little strange. Uh, Jasmine Duke, I hope she's joining the company too, man. Yeah, that'd be, that'd be cool. I hope we really get all four of them as credible wrestlers. You got to assume with uh, Shafir being kind of a part of the company. I mean, her husband's part of it, so she's kind of like by proxy. Then the other two, like Duke's got to be at least a little bit of peer pressure just being like, come on, join the crowd, that kind of thing. There were were aspects of this match that I liked even more than the ladder match. Obviously, the ladder match is a big spot fest going through all the ladders and the high-risk moves, whereas this was more of a storytelling piece. But if it's on like if you're someone that likes to look for the attention to detail in matches, then this is a perfect example for you of Ember turning the tables on Shayna by attacking the the um, shoulder in the same way that she'd attacked her in the past. Uh, Shayna using the ring post to undislocate her shoulder and like the reversal out of the eclipse. And then even uh, when she had the choke on, she was grabbing hold of her hair in order to, because she couldn't use the other arm because the arm was too beaten up. So she was grabbing her own hair to keep hold of the choke. Like all those little details that just, it's that people will miss on the first time they view it. But when they watch it back and without the, con, if they watch it back separately without the context of the ladder match that went before it, which sapped a lot of the energy out of the crowd immediately, then they'll look back and think this was like a lot better than I gave it credit for initially. Possibly. I mean, I'm probably not going to go back and check uh, check it out a second time, but I liked it enough that I like I kind of wouldn't mind seeing another one of these. You know, we got to see some kind of title match between the two in the future if they're going to do something like uh, the standard rematch clause. But I don't know if I want to wait until uh, Chicago is the next one, right? Right. Yeah. yeah so, so I don't know if I want to wait until Chicago, even though it's only like two months away or so. But, but I, if they do I, it on NXT, like, cool, you know, I'll be, I'll be tuning in. Well, I mean, I'm going to watch it anyway. Do you think she gets but... called up in the Superstar Shake-Up Ember Moon? I don't think so. Not yet. Not yet. Yeah, I don't think yet. I do I do agree with uh, what Brayden said, though, that I think it would have been a better match if Shayna had been the champion going into it. It just felt like Ember was not so much in control of this match, but felt a little bit more self-assured about, like, fighting 
Baszler, and I think it would have made a bit more of an impact if the first time they fought, she was completely unprepared for Baszler and lost the title. And this time she was more self-assured, but still ended up losing instead of winning. So that was my one like main criticism with the, the way the story's been going at the moment. So I kind of want to do something that I I like doing when I think about it. I didn't think about it when it came to the North Americans. So we'll backtrack to that in a minute. But as far as the women's championship goes, we got it on Baszler now. Who do you guys want to be the next champion? Because we just got a new champion. It's the best time as any to be like, I am going to look forward to six months from now when this changes and stuff. And then, you know, six months from now when we get a new champion or whatever it might be, then we look back and we go, oh, you know, it's funny. I would have wanted this person instead. I'm leaning more towards either Kyrie Sane or Candice LeRae. But we do have that other second annual May Young Classic now. And yes. maybe there's going to be somebody in the mix there that I'm not too familiar with that I want more. I think for sure NXT TakeOver Brooklyn, what is it, five? Ends with Candice and Johnny as the NXT and NXT women's champions. Johnny's going to win it? I think no. <laughs> Can Candace beats uh, Shayna and Johnny beats likely Alistair Black? Um, I'd, I'd I'd probably go with Candace, but if I've always had well an interest in seeing uh, Nikki Cross become the women's champion because I think she's she's always been kind of like the other person who's always good to have a feud with over the title, but never actually wins it. So I'd be I'd like to see her win it at one point, but I think that's probably unlikely at this point. Yeah, I think that ship has sailed. Pretty well by you. Who's uh, your go-to? Uh, I I kind of have become a big fan of Kyrie Sane. I'd like to see her get in the mix at some point and get a nice push, but uh, I don't know how long it's going to take for that to happen because Shayna's obviously going to have her run. Ember Moon's got a rematch. That program's probably going to take us to the next takeover. So are we talking like a good while after this event? Or how how long are you? Uh, I mean, we're just talking next champion. Who's the person next, you next champion be? in general? So okay, yeah, next. I'd like to see Kyrie Sane win the belt at some point. Doesn't really matter when, but uh, yeah. yeah. I don't I don't know if there's going to be somebody that kind of takes me by surprise and makes me throw everybody else out the window because like when it came down to Jazzy uh, Gabert. I was not expecting her to be somebody that I would have enjoyed. And maybe if she's like healthy and stuff and they bring her back, like I'd be kind of cool with her, maybe taking out Shayna or, you know, it's, it's, it's a weird scenario, but if we go with just the people that are on the roster now, like I can't back Dakota Kai more than Kyrie or, uh, or Candace. And I can't back a heel because it wouldn't make a, as much sense, you know? So it's not like Bianca Belair is going to win it or whatever. But I don't know. Uh, I don't know if I would pick between Candace and and Kyrie. So Maybe I really think, and, Kyrie. and I hope she gets signed. Nicole Savoy from the first May Young Classic has history with Baszler, and she, to me, is the most well-rounded female wrestler that isn't signed with WWE right now. And I hope she does get signed after the second May Young Classic. I don't remember really liking Savoy. If that's who I'm thinking of. I know I really liked uh, Mercedes Martinez. I'm really shocked that they didn't sign her. And I know I was surprised with Piper Niven and 
Tony Storm was really good. So uh, I mean, like there's there's potential. Um, but to backtrack to the the North American one, Adam Cole he wins the championship there, and we've got a scenario where I had mentioned before I was like I think that the Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic Finals and the NXT Tag Team Championship triple threat match, but you know it takes fucking forever to say how long this match is. Um, I had thought that that was going to go first and that they would have the Undisputed Era retained, and then that would be the reason why we wouldn't get Adam Cole as the North American champion. So when they announced the North American championship going first, I was like, oh, huh. Well, either that's their excuse for the Undisputed Era losing, or maybe that whole uh, scenario that Callum had brought up with Dijak would pop up. And I started thinking about, like, well, who would win the title? And then I was like, maybe they do put it on Roderick Strong and Pete Dunne just for, you know, a couple of weeks. And then they drop it to somebody else. And then it leads to something. Maybe it is Authors of Pain. And then I started to think, well, maybe Authors of Pain makes a lot of sense because they can be going in to their eventual main roster push with two-time champions, two-time Dusty Rhodes Cup winners. And if you've got Bludgeon Brothers on one side and you've got Braun Strowman and whoever, maybe Big Show or something like that, maybe the Authors of Pain aren't going up anytime soon because you don't want to uh, to have those two teams drop those tag titles. And I started really, really thinking that that was going to happen. Well, lo and behold, fucking Robert pulling out a goddamn uh, crystal ball out of his ass and going with Roderick Strong pulling a Ted DiBiase and uh or cody rhodes roderick strong turns heel he fucks over pete dunn joins the uh the undisputed era and i called it i saw it coming as soon as callum said it i said wait a minute i think we can go with roderick strong joining the undisputed era here so good i was i was so happy to finally see them get a spotlight for once because i really think that since they came they were really not spotlighted very well and tonight man was awesome they they got the north american title they got the tag title still and now they have roger strong and i'm really excited to see where they go with this it was um it was a very very like memorable finish to was probably quite an average match i mean it's it was probably like in another context pretty good but like by takeover standard the takeover sets like like huge bars like far too high for most matches to reach this was this was a bit too um i don't know like forgettable and that was mainly just due to like the start and it was it was quite like awkward throughout really of we didn't really know who was the legal men most of the time and it seemed like it started as a tornado match but then it like broke down into a regular tag team match yeah what was up with that it started out with just everybody in the ring and even maronala was just kind of like uh what and then they decide that it's like nope you need to tag people in and then of course every tag team match ends with you know frenzy and stuff but that was very kind of confusing uh jonathan who writes for the website for anybody who doesn't know he uh commandeers the triple threat right now he is at uh takeover and he was messaging us. He's like, "Did the announcers explain why this isn't a tornado tag anymore?" <laughs> like, no, you're as much in the dark as we are. I, yes. I agree with you, though, Callum, uh, about the idea that the 
quality of the tag team matches that we've been getting at takeovers have been better than this overall. And I don't think that people should take the twist as being like, oh, this was a great match because of the twist. It was fine. You know, I, I, I liked the match and everything like that, but oh, yeah, was, I wouldn't, a, I wouldn't rank this as like one of those match of the year type things. The twist was, was good, amazing though. Yeah. That's, that's what I was going to say. It's like, it was a, it was a good match. Not, nothing great. And if it had just been the way that it would, it seemed like it was going to end with Pete Dunn getting the pin. Obviously it would have been a good moment, but the match itself would have just been a bit like, okay, this is the weakest match on the card. Whereas it's the one it's the thing that NXT takeovers managed to do is like even the bad matches they make memorable or make seem important. Well, they were caught in an awkward spot because they didn't want to have the AOP look too weak, but they couldn't win because they're probably leaving. You know, you had this weird thrown together Pete Dunn, Roderick Strong, and then you have Adam Cole who is fresh out of a ladder match, and they put him through the table in the first. 90 seconds so it was just a weird in-between match for the show i thought it was good for what it was and the twist was amazing so i was pleased with it you have to give a little credit to kyle o'reilly for oh, yeah. essentially carrying that as a one-man team very his good into submissions his striking exchanges with pete dunn he did some pretty cool stuff in this match i think honestly he needs to be uh i think definitely uh looked at as maybe the star of the match, to be honest. Oh, yeah. A great job. And I did like the turn. I think that it's going to be something that people remember from the show. And uh, it's interesting to see where Roderick Strong goes from here, because for a while he's just kind of been, like, that guy on the roster, not really doing too much or having much uh, stuff going for him other than this uh, Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic. So now with him being a part of this faction, I just wonder where that means his career is going to go from here. Do you guys see the Undisputed Era kind of uh, becoming even more of a focal point for NXT from this point forward, would you say? Absolutely. They had the the biggest spotlight of the show. I think the Undisputed Era might end up with a situation where they're like the workhorses of the show. And they might carry the majority of the championships around for a while. Because I can see Roderick Strong getting a, another UK title match with Pete Dunne at Chicago. Well, now we know that there's going to be another UK tournament, which they're kind of sort of calling the King of the Ring, which uh, I don't really know why that is happening. No, but okay. that's not what they said. They, they it... called it King of the Ring UK tournament. You're kidding. I really thought yeah. that we were getting a King of the Ring for the WWE Superstars. Wow. Um, thanks for that letdown, Tony. <laughs> I'm assuming that they're going to call it King of the Ring, and then it'll be like, okay, well, that's going to issue us into, we have a show now called King of the Ring, and maybe do it like that kind of a thing, but... Um, it's because the British people can only people that can get away with wearing a crown. That's the rest of the thing. Nobody told that to Mabel. Well, they could bring back the glow one. <laughs> the glow crown. I I don't know if that's going to be a factor with Pete Dunne's title reign, but there's a possibility. I don't think that we're going to get a non-UK champion uh, from the UK like anytime soon, necessarily, though. But Roderick Strong, turning heel, you should pretty much have some kind of a match with Pete Dunne. I, I could see a scenario where maybe they have a match and it's like it gets thrown out because 
the Undisputed Era are ringside and something happens and it's like Tyler Bate and Trent Seven interfere. And then we get, you know, a week or so later from NXT, we get Pete Dunne, Tyler Bate, and Trent Seven against Kyle Riley, Adam Cole, and Roderick Strong. Like, you know, they can play around with some different things like that. And Pete Dunne's obviously more of a babyface now than he's been before. So that's something to take note of. And Roderick Strong turning heel, man, I mean... That dude does not have a whole lot of personality he's been showing. And for him to turn heel is a massive upgrade. Because even if he doesn't have too, too much personality as a heel right now, he could play around with it a little bit. And he's not the one that's really going to be talking. It's Adam Cole. He just has to be the other guy that's filling in for Bobby Fish. And Fish might not be there for months. So they kind of needed somebody. Strong... Being on 205 Live, that was fun. And he could still do it in the future. Maybe right now wouldn't have been the time for that. And maybe this is the best way to go. And I really like the idea that they did this turn the way that they did it. Because that sold me on... Right now, it's the best turn of the year for me. Heel or babyface. I think it was Callum had said you figured out a way that uh, prevents the authors of pain from looking bad. Yeah, and it, yeah, Pete Dunne doesn't even look crazy. bad. The crowd went crazy for that turn. Yeah, yeah, which maybe isn't the like supposed good reaction because you want it like a heel turn to maybe get booed or whatever. But the fans were really digging the undisputed era on this show, and they loved the turn. They cheered. So all the more reason to give somebody another thing to be happy about. If you get the fans to pop on something, it's the total opposite of what's going to happen in some parts for tomorrow. Like, it's amazing the difference between NXT and the main roster, where there's no argument, NXT is the minor leagues, and that's okay, you know, but they handle the crowd so much better than the main roster does, and if you look at a heel turn for Roderick Strong, where he turns on a beloved Pete Dunne, because people love Pete Dunne in the ring, and he gets cheered in a louder reaction than what we're going to get tomorrow night with like Roman Reigns, who's supposed to be the top baby face that you're supposed to, if anybody is in like the realm of being cheered, it should be him. Yet the guy who turns heel on another baby face gets a better reaction and stuff on the minor leagues. That's what's so crazy about that. It's, it's just the way things work with NXT. They've cultivated such a, like a loyal and devoted fan base that they'll still cheer everything because they they get excited by the moment still. And like nobody saw, I mean, obviously Robert did with his uh, crystal ball antics, but nobody really saw that finish coming. Or was, if they did, it was kind of like, oh, it wouldn't be really cool if they did this and they're not going to do this. But then they did do that. And that's why NXT is so cool. <laughs> they do do the things that you say, oh, they'll never do that. Oh my God, they actually did it. We'll get, we'll get to more of that in that main event. Yeah, so we have the Dusty Cup goes to the Undisputed Era. The Undisputed Era is holding the North American Championship and the tag team titles. Even though they were down a member, they gained a new one. Really awesome way to do that. Match itself, eh, not bad. <laughs> yeah. So after that, we had what normally would have been the main event of the night, which was the NXT championship match, but they read the crowd, they knew what the audience wanted, and they were like, look, it's the title, but we need to put that on un- unsanctioned match at the end. Smart move, I think. 
Uh, Andrade Cien Almas versus Alistair Black. Zelina Vega ringside doing her shtick. Uh, we had three Herd Karanas, I think. Dude, somebody needs to powerbomb her. Like, that needs to happen, man. I'll one-up you. Lars Sullivan needs to powerbomb her. Oh, that'd, that'd be so <laughs> gross. <laughs> she played her part to a T, you know, interfering here and there, distracting the referee and all that. Almas doing his part more so than even normal. This dude keeps improving and he keeps proving himself to be, you know, a little while ago when he came into NXT, might've been a year at this point or so. No, it's been about a year and a half because he came, I think in the May of 2016 takeover. So he took a while before he actually got into the swing of things. Cause he first came out and he was wearing the, like the Lou Bega type of uh, outfit <laughs> You know, well, pulling a fucking Mambo number five is for sure. And he was just not hitting anything. Like, nobody was really caring. Now that he's got Selena Vega, man, he is, he's stepped up his game to where he doesn't need her, which is crazy. Although it's better if they stay together, you know, that's, that's the package deal. He needs her. He still needs her. She cuts the promos, I think. But even in the ring, though, I mean, like, he wasn't even all that special in the ring at first. And but now he's firing on all cylinders. Like now he's a guy that when he has a big match, he's a guy you have to pay attention to now because he can really perform. Yeah. I, I thought really that that yeah. uh, Gargano match, I was thinking, I was like, oh, you know what? Maybe that was just Gargano. But no, he had a great fucking match with Aleister Black here. And I thought it was really cool that he started it off with the, the mask on too. Like the very beginning of the night, just taking that and, you know, uh, throwing that off and whatever. That was a nice little kind of reference. I think it was Frankie had said like, what was that for? And I was like, I don't know. Got me to kind of be like, eh, neat. <laughs> so I was like, well, no, he did neat. that at, uh, in Philadelphia as well. That's his La Sombra mask, isn't it? Yeah, that's, um, yeah, he used to wrestle under a mask in uh, Mexico. So they, they, it was one of the main things that people were a bit surprised about when he joined NXT was that he was take, had to take off the mask immediately. Immediately, they're like, "Can you yeah. sign this paper?" And they're like, "All right." He signs it. Uh, what's his real name? Do you know? Oh, real name? Uh, no, I, I can't be off Wikipedia right now. So. Uh, whatever his name is, let's just say it's Andrade Cien Almas. <laughs> he's yeah. like signs. It's like A L M A S, and they're like, "Take it off! Take it off!" And he's just like, "What?" Well, no, Triple H was like, "I don't know why he would want to hide his face. He's a good-looking dude. Take off the mask." He is Manuel Alfonso Andrade Oropesa. Of course he is. <laughs> which I'm sure was pronounced horribly because I am a painfully white guy. And his name <laughs> is in Yugo Montoya somewhere as well. Yeah. He once went by Brillante Jr. Or Brillante? Brillante? I don't know. Brillante. Yeah, that. El Santo uh, wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> Now, this was a great match, though, and it was one of those ones where you could fault them a little bit to be like, well, it was a little predictable, but predictable doesn't mean bad. It just means that maybe something was the right thing to do and everybody saw it coming and they didn't want to do something that was a shock for the sake of a shock. And I am one of those people, I will take predictable and good a thousand times over shocking and not good. So I loved the it. story perfectly with Zelina Vega interfering one too many times and actually kind of costing almost the match because of it. Then Alistair Black be, being able to uh, circumvent that hit the black mass at the end. 
nice way for the crowd to just be like, all right, crap, it's over. Like that kind of thing. I liked it. I just it was a great finish. Yeah. Yeah. So she went for a cross body and almost caught her and it kind of played into really the end. Cause he caught her and distracted him for a brief moment. Then he got hit with the black mask and then that was it. And the guys I thought really clicked together. There is, you know, almost he can work. <laughs> He's really proving he can work. And this is one match where do you guys think he's headed to the main roster? Or do you think he's still got some time to shine in NXT? Or do you he's think he's headed kind of to SmackDown? He's going to so? be SmackDown. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I'm leaning towards this... SmackDown. Yeah, I think this was his curtain call. I think the, the Royal Rumble appearance earlier in the year was kind of like his test. And then this is like the final hurdle for him. It wouldn't um, shock me at all if he doesn't show up on Monday or Tuesday. But I think that people are going to be a little bit disappointed. I don't know about. This is something we can get into a little bit tomorrow night, and obviously then it'll be Monday and Tuesday, but I think that we need to kind of curb our expectations about Monday and Tuesday a little bit, because if they are going to do this superstar shakeup thing, that's potentially going to happen either the Monday I'm and Tuesday. after the Greatest Royal Rumble. I See, I don't know, because this is weird. They could do this on Monday or Tuesday or both. Because they've done that in the past where it's like, and our draft is going to be like, these people just show up on uh, SmackDown on Tuesday and stuff. I didn't like that at all, and I really hope that they don't. Uh, but we have the Greatest Royal Rumble coming up on uh, uh, April 27th, and we've got Backlash coming up on May 6th. I'm not looking as like, you know, two weeks from now we're going to get a draft. I think that they might wait until Backlash. And if that's the case, I think we're going to see somebody like Almas who is going to stick around in NXT for the next set of tapings a little bit. And then we could see him pop up on Backlash. But I do think he's coming up. I think that what is there really left for him to do? Is he going to win the title again? No, we've already had people win the title twice. He doesn't need to. He's not going to go down and win the uh, North American title. And he's not going to team up with anybody win the tag. So he either sticks around and they kind of waste him a little bit or he moves up. and. If you're going to move up anywhere, SmackDown seems like a better place for him. Yeah, it's the the wrestling show more so. Then again, if you switch around a whole bunch of people, maybe Raw ends up needing it more. It's all, you know, you try to do a balancing act and stuff. But he proved himself in this match, I think, and the match with Gargano, where at this point, all right, it wasn't just Gargano. Almas knows how to work as well. He worked well with both of those guys. And he had, a, you know, he had his match with Drew McIntyre. And McIntyre... Uh, something this is to think about too. On the pre-show, McIntyre was saying it didn't matter if it was Almas or Black, he was still going to go after Almas. I'm not too sure how much you would rank this as far as like betting goes, but I think that McIntyre's on his way up to the main roster again too. And I would not be shocked at all if we see Andrade Cien Almas come up to the main roster very, very soon, Backlash being like at the latest, and McIntyre to just jump him immediately and it'd just be well, like, start the feud back again on a different program, you know? Have they ever done that before? Have they ever taken an NXT storyline and progressed it right to the main roster? I don't think so. Not even like Sasha and Bailey. What about Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn? Does that count? Not quite, because uh, Sami... They were forced into that with the injury. Yeah, that that was a little bit like... Sammy kind of popped up, and then Owens popped up, and then they were... Once they were both on the roster, then it became a thing, but they both did stuff without each other a little bit. 
Mostly John Cena, which is weird. Yeah, because Sami Zayn had that match against John Cena. Kevin Owens had the open challenge match. Hmm. Yeah, I, just, I don't know about I, any other ones that would have happened like that. Samoa Joe didn't. Finn Balor didn't. It's just a great thing to see that Almas, because it's such a um, like a change from when these two first faced each other in NXT. Cause obviously, um, Almas was Black's first match in NXT, like about a year or so back. And at that point in time, people were thinking that Almas wasn't even going to get out of NXT, let alone like make an impact on the main roster. Thought that he was like pretty much washed up and just he'd fit into the Tyler Breeze spot of. Oh, this is the guy that you beat on your first night in NXT. And then he was able to rise up to become the champion. And their match here was infinitely better than their first match. And even that that first match was good as well. But it was just a sign of like Almas's. It wasn't a case of like Black going on the ascendancy and Almas was a guy that was coming down. Now there were just two people that are both on the ascendancy, but just in different ways at the moment. Kind of piggybacking off of something we had talked about before about who should be the next women's champion. Who do you guys want to beat Black? Because we have now Roderick Strong as a heel. Adam Cole is basically the mid-card champion. We got Killian Dane, Lars Sullivan, EC3, Velveteen Dream. Technically speaking, you could do a babyface thing. We've got you know, Gargano and uh, Ricochet and other people in the mix there. We got Tomasa Ciampa. Plenty of other people that can come up, too. People that can come in from other outside sources and stuff. Tag team members that can, you know, somebody like Atino Sabatelli can get some random ass push or something like that. There's a lot of options for who can beat him. You know, I'm going to go with Cesar Caesar Banani. Uh, no, but seriously. Caesar's Banana? If not, <laughs> if not Gargano, then Lars Sullivan. Uh... Yeah, I'm going for Lars at the moment. I think Lars or Strong makes the most sense to me at the moment. Hmm. That's a tough question. Uh, but, yeah, I guess you got to kind of gotta go with Lars, right? Because he's kind of like the, the big monster heel of NXT, and he would probably be seen as somebody who's like a threat of sorts to Black's championship reign. Like he would kind of – I don't know if you position him as the underdog because he's kind of known for winning – but in a situation to maybe put some doubt into uh, if he's going to win or not, having him face a big guy like Sullivan would definitely do that, I think. So I, I got to go with him. Screw logic. I'm going EC3. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, he's hanging around as yeah, well. Yeah, I thought about him too. There's a lot of people. I'd love to see an EC3 feud where it's about the whole, he's the top 1% and Aleister Black's all like, oh, I got tattoos and I'm like angry at the world and stuff. And EC3 could be like, you're gross, dude. And that kind of a thing. Like, <laughs> I think that that'd be kind of funny. Uh, you know, the the guy who, like, fights for the groungy, underground uh, type of thing against a dude who's hoity-toity and kind of pristine. And, you know, I'd like to see a little feud like that. Lars Sullivan, though, you know, he proved himself more in this match that they had earlier in the night. I wouldn't be too too opposed to that. Oh, and shout out to whoever it was. Uh, I can't remember who uh, said it in the Mega Maniacs chat, but somebody was like, man, I'm really waiting for them to just say Lars Sullivan is George Animal Steel's son. Yeah. Like, damn, they do look a lot alike. I don't remember if it was Frankie or who was... Look. Uh, he looks so old school. I love it. Does anybody know if he's got a fucked up 
leg or anything, or if he's just wearing that, like, for the hell of it, kind of? I think he probably did have a knee injury previously. I haven't heard anything in particular, but there must be a reason why he's wearing it other than just to wear it. Hmm. Hopefully that doesn't bite him in the ass. Like it did with Tomasa Ciampa. Now there's a fucking segue. (laughs) That was a a very good segue. I didn't plan on it. It just happened. (laughs) The unsanctioned match was the main event of the night. Johnny Gargano fighting for his job back in NXT against Tomasa Ciampa. You know, we were brothers and now we're not. And we were fighting each other and all that. And God damn, this was a good match. Hold on. Let's all pretend we're Dave Meltzer for a second. What are you, what are we rating this match? Oh, I thought you were going to ask me if I had some kind of backstage scoop that I could later on say his plans have changed. <laughs> <laughs> if we're going to go with like kind of a five star rating thing, I mean, I think a little bit, a little bit of the IWC and everybody they kind of go like, you know, no, you can't give five stars to everything because five stars can only be for like this Japanese match and whatever. Like, I think this is as textbook perfect of a type of match as you can ask for in WWE. I'd give it a 5 out of 5. I, I, I'm, I'll I'm, probably be that guy then, being slightly cynical about it. There's there's certain times in matches where I watch it and think you're doing too much and it's getting a little bit like okay, so you're practically going to have to take a gun out and shoot this guy if you're going to get a pinfall <laughs> yeah. out of it. <laughs> And that kind of takes me out of it a little bit. So, like, the Almas and Gargano match, I thought was five stars, and it was, like, perfectly understandable. Like, oh, he lost because of this type of thing. This time, like, you you just throw so many moves that in any other match would win it easily. And it's just like, okay, just because it's an unsanctioned blood feud. Like, it, as a, like, an epic tale, it makes, like, a perfect, perfect sense to end it that way. But it just takes me out of, like, a little bit of the realism with it. So that's why I'd, I'd drop it down a little bit, but it was still an absolutely epic match. I'm going four and three quarter stars only because they dragged it out just a little bit too long. There's a couple of spots where I thought, wow, that's perfect. And they kept going. I, not that I hated the finish. I loved what they did. I just thought it dragged out a little bit too long. But man, that match was about as good as you're going to see this year. Ugh. Trying to see if anybody has like the uh, times for that. It was thirty-seven minutes and six seconds. The, the first match of the night was yeah. thirty-one minutes and twenty-four. So it was a long match. Um, pow- taking a power bomb on concrete though—that's got to give it a start. <sighs> that right? was sick. Well, that was that was hard. Like anything else happened tonight, even in the ladder match, anything like that—that that was the hardest thing I had to watch. Like just seeing his. Like, it was that, and there was also the um, suplex yep. on the announce the table, table, which yeah. was awesome. Their heads bounced off the mat. You could just see like how hard it, how hard of a landing that was. It's funny, but my instant reaction was, "Huh, I'm surprised. I've never seen anybody even attempt that." What they did so much in this match, and it was well deserved, and they deserved the main event. We're not. One thing we haven't touched on is Champa came out to silence, no music. He had a Titantron, which I thought was a little weird that he had a Titantron but no music. But the fans were playing their role perfectly. Mm-hmm. Fuck you, they Ciampa. hated him. 
He was so hated. He instantly became the top heel, essentially. Like, he's the only heel right now that gets the reaction he should be getting. Yeah, exactly. I w- they had, fuck you, Champa Chance. They had, uh, fuck him up, Johnny. That, that, the old school asshole chance just raining down. So good, man. And you can tell that he's just relishing in this role. Like, he's yeah. just, he's really digging it. And he's playing his part perfectly, I must say. I think him coming out to no music and just to, to thunderous booze was really quite the way to cement his entrance and to kind of uh, give a little bit of extra, to, like to make him stand out, essentially. Like he didn't need music. <laughs> and uh, the crowd, wow, just what a response. Such it's- a good reaction to like in the sense of you've got the NXT crowd can be a little bit more on like the Mark kind of side of things. And you also got that they could be a little bit more on the smart kind of side of things. And sometimes it's really goddamn frustrating when you're watching an WWE event and you've got the crowd and they're chanting, you know, JBL, JBL, yeah. Byron yeah, Sexton and whatever like that, just because they think that it's going to be funny to be like, Oh, aren't we like cool? Or whatever. It's like, yeah, it was cool. The first fucking time that a crowd did it years and years and years ago you're not doing anything fucking different shut up especially this weekend can we talk about that this weekend of all weekends to have a genuine heel reaction i was very happy with that in a crowd that is the smarkiest type of crowd unless they would have been you know in an area like a chicago or a philly or something like that you know next year wrestlemania metlife and all that it's gonna be obnoxious it's gonna be obnoxious as fuck but uh, I'll be there and I'll be fucking loving it. Um, unless they fuck up the hot dogs and stuff again. Um, and uh, <laughs> it was so refreshing, though, to just see the crowd do what they were supposed to do and to buy into it in a level where if you were to show this show, this one in particular, to somebody who's never watched wrestling before, I can't imagine that they wouldn't at least be more interested in it than they were before. Nothing on this card was so wacky, weird, and, like, stupid or anything. You had the NXT ladder match where it's just, oh, shit, oh, shit, oh, shit, oh, there's this big dude, oh, he just did this, oh, there's this flippy dude, oh, he just did this, oh, that's pretty cool, man. Then you have the women, and it's like, oh, these women are kicking each other's ass. They're not just, like, daintily pulling each other's hair and stuff like what they used to do. Then you get the tag team thing and you're like, wait a minute, the one fucking dude turned on his tag team partner? That's kind of crazy. Alistair Black thing, you're like, oh, this match is just textbook really fucking good. And then you get this unsanctioned match and you're like, all right, this is the soap opera stuff. But it ends up killing it. And you start it off with the crowd proving that it's like, all right, we know it's a circus, but we're buying into it and we're just going to have fun. They booed the shit out of Tomasa Ciampa. And it was so weird to hear that coming out and then a giant pop for Gargano with music. Because I was thinking that maybe it was going to be like both of them don't have music because it's unsanctioned or something like that. But Yeah, I did think about that. Instead, it was just kind of like, he's like, oh, yeah, fuck, you know, I like this dude. He's the happy dude. I like him. Like that kind of a thing. And it was like, you know, if you show this to somebody who's not watched wrestling anymore or they watch you know nothing of it and they don't really know what it is and stuff you're just kind of like oh the angry looking guy he's the bad guy he's getting booed and they're chanting fuck you and whatever then here's the guy with the happy music and whatever oh he's the good guy I should cheer for him you know 
yeah, the, the chance like in general were just pretty amazing. Like when he hit the concrete off the power bomb, you get the you deserve it chant, which is the oh only my time of which is one of the rare times I'm actually okay with that chant being used. And then the um when uh Gargano threw Chiampa over the announce table, they started chanting Mamma Mia as well. So that's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the crowd played their role perfectly in this thing. Like you like like you say, like on occasion they have a want to like hijack a match this was the perfect yeah, example then it's kind of weird though how he breaks the crutch he has Tommaso Ciampa dead to rights and he just kind of stalls and doesn't do anything for a little bit didn't did anybody no, kind of man he, he was having second thoughts he loved Tommaso Ciampa they were best friends DIY they did this thing together and he was having second thoughts about pulling the trigger and then Tommaso tried to swerve him and he said not today bitch I loved it. I thought it was perfect. It was also a reference to the Cruiserweight Classic match. Yeah. Uh, Ciampa had a spot where he was going to be able to take out Gargano when he stopped for a second and he ended up losing. So that it was like, uh-oh, was Ciampa going to capitalize and win because Gargano's making the same mistake? That kind of a thing. Like, I think that uh, Gargano... Maybe Ciampa in the mix of this too, I don't know. Um, but Gargano kind of proved in this a little bit too. That he seems to really understand storytelling. Yeah. Oh hell yeah! Not only is he good with sells like Johnny Gargano does either. He's he's just kind of on another level, man. He sells so well. He books the match really well. As far as like even like that, like I wouldn't have remembered that. But they mentioned the the Cruiserweight Classic thing, and then I was like, oh fuck yeah, that is true. And. I, by the end of this match, I'm like, all right, well, Johnny Gargano is the next Daniel Bryan. Like, that's sealed. <laughs> you know? He's over with the crowd. He does everything like he fucking should better than a lot of other people really necessarily should, even at that point. And you kind of wish that like, if you could put, like, Gargano's talent and brain into a guy that WWE pushes more, you know, the size of somebody like a, like a Titus O'Neil or something like that, and be like, man, how many times does this dude win in a world championship? <laughs> like, I've been on the train of Gargano going to 205 Live for a long time, and this match made me go, nah, they can't. Exactly. He's bigger than 205 Live, yeah. He really is. And I thought maybe it would be a good thing for him to like boost 205 Live, but he needs to be on Raw or SmackDown. SmackDown more so, I think. And so does Chumper as well. Yeah. He really does, because he is obviously an equal part of this equation. You know, you can't have a good match with nothing. I love the uh, the finish of the knee brace stuff too. Like, yeah, the knee brace smack to the knee. I was like, ugh. This is the match that got a lot of audible reactions from me, and I've been watching for way too long, and that doesn't really happen a lot. But I got invested with the whole, you know, he stalled with the crutch, and I was like, no, you you gotta finish it because I'm gonna feel like shit if you lose. <laughs> like, come on, and I they really. Perfect storytelling. Not perfect not to match. Try, not to try and drag things down after you obviously calling it a perfect match, but um But you hated it. My one <laughs> no <laughs> my my one pet peeve other than the fact that I thought it went on a bit too long and they were just kicking out of everything, it was the fact that they wore wrestling gear to the match. Especially Chumpers was riding up quite high on his it was quite it was quite tight fit his trunks. If you could even call them trunks. Uh, I bet so that were... was uh, intentional. 
it, yeah, yeah. it's just a bit like it's an unsanctioned match. Like I remember, well, the last unsanctioned match I can really recall is like the even like Michael's the Jericho, Jericho. And, yeah, Michaels Jericho, or the Michaels and Triple H matches and stuff like that. And obviously, Triple H wore gear to that match, and so did Jericho. The only one that didn't was Sean. Yeah, it's <laughs> just like I don't want to fucking wear this shit. <laughs> yeah, it's just when I always hear the thing like either like an unsanctioned match or street fight, I think well, this should be a match that should be taking place in like streetwear or something along the lines of. It just felt like, oh, this is just a, a real match, but you're just being a little bit more aggressive. So, so was about, like, the last two that I knew to wear, uh, like, street clothes to a street fight were Jericho and Punk at uh, Extreme Rules. Yeah, and I think that added to that sort of match. It made it feel like it was more gritty. Well, everybody knows my opinions about having a thousand names for a no-DQ match, and if you were to tell me a street fight has to always be in street clothes, I'd like it a lot better. And if Extreme Rules had to be only at Extreme Rules or, you know, any of that kind of thing, you know, this is a no-holds-barred, uh, no-DQ, false count anywhere, but not anywhere, Extreme Rules, blah, 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 you know, Belfast Brawl type of crap. <laughs> it, it was just a no-DQ match, but it was like... I, but it, was a, it was a good no-DQ match. Yeah, like, it felt more personal. They did a good job selling that. Yeah, my, my bits and pieces are just like nitpicks about this stuff. It's obviously nothing yeah. that takes away from the actual the story they were telling, which was like this was some of the best storytelling you see you'll ever see in a WWE match. Yeah, for that One matter, if anybody like, is like you know on YouTube or something like that, or in the comments section below or something like that, if anybody's just kind of like the the thing I didn't like was the you were wearing the gear and I I didn't buy into that uh four out of ten like that kind of thing that it would be like oh for fuck's sake. Like, <laughs> Nitpicking's like, yeah, nitpicking's fine, you know. It would have yeah. made sense to do a street fight kind of like thing yeah. like that, but it's like it, dro- it drops my thing from a ten to a nine point nine. Right, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's that's the difference maker. And I really hate that there are some fans that do that kind of shit though, where they'll just gonna be like, you know, well, uh when he was supposed to hit him with the uh crutch he was doing it with his left hand, and we've established that Gargano is a right-handed person, so they didn't call out the southpaw, and that means that the continuity was shattered, and the whole thing's garbage, and I hate TakeOver, and like, <laughs> I hate that kind of shit so much. Oh, one I thing I did like in the match though. was, uh, even though it was unsanctioned, no DQ, they didn't use typical, like, there's no kendo sticks, there's no... You know, here's a table. They used what they had around them. They even had a fan on crutches just to get the excuse for crutches, you know? I loved I loved that he takes it from the the uh fan, the quote unquote fan. And then security ushers the fan away. <laughs> so, you know, well, if you're supposed to buy into this. Safety, man. Well, if you're supposed to buy into it as being like uh you know, like, oh man, he just stole this off of like this poor person in the crowd. Then it's like, dude, poor person just also got ejected. <laughs> they got a front row fucking seat. And it's like, yeah, I'm sorry, dude. You don't have your crutches anymore, but can we like force you to not be able to see the match either? <laughs> That's kind of like saying, I don't know, like, uh, who was it that got, was it like the, the car door that Lesnar threw or something? Somebody got hurt. Uh, yeah. A bunch of years ago, like for that person, they would be like, "Oh shit, you weren't supposed to get hit by that." Uh, can we give you some t-shirts? And also, can you get the fuck out? <laughs> we would have been like, "Wait, what?" Yeah, we don't want you around. It's it's a real bummer that you got hurt. <laughs> like, that's so great. 
I loved that so much. Just steal the crutches from somebody from the crowd and whatever. It would have been so much better if it would have been a real person, too. Well, it was a real person. He's not a goddamn hologram, but you know what I mean? Like, if that would have just been some actual dude in the crowd, and it's just kind of like, hey, fuck you, Charlie, or whatever. It's, uh, excuse me, I, I wanted to be a part of the show, but not this way. I kind of need those. Great show, right? Such a great show. Great way to end it, too. Candice LeRae coming out there, celebrating with Johnny Gargano. It helps her in the future. Helps him in the future. Chiampa, at this point, he is looking like the top heel in NXT. So he's got a lot of momentum. If they want to do Chiampa versus Aleister Black at Chicago, they've got the momentum for that. Gargano can fight for the North American title if they want to do that. You know, there's so many different ways that they can go here. And this just... The worst part of the night, in my mind, were the things that weren't even a factor. It was just musical performances. So, if that's the worst part, massive fucking thumbs up. Huge thumbs up. I would argue that it's, uh, at this point in the year, definitely a candidate for the best major show, would you say, so far? Definitely. Oh, I would. WrestleMania has its work cut out for it. That's and here's the thing. Say. WrestleMania is going to be five hours... And that's going to be a lot more of what Tony was saying he didn't like. That's going to be a lot of spectacle and, you know, performance and, hey, look at us. We're, sh- we're showmanship. And that I'm kind of dreading because we just saw a great wrestling show. And I want that to carry over into Mania. I'm cool with that if they don't do stupid things. Like, for the most part, and this sounds so like, well, no shit. But that's, for some reason, I have to specify it a lot when people want to clarify things and stuff. I'm up for anything as long as it's good. And if you're the type of person who is always like, well, that's the same thing and I wanted change and, you know, the change is like better because it's just change, that kind of a thing or something like that. Even when it comes to spectacle versus in-ring stuff, if you give me good spectacle, I might like that more than good in-ring stuff. But if you give me spectacle for the sake of spectacle and it's dumb, it's so much worse than a a uh, wrestling match that wasn't even necessarily bad. Then we get into the category of like, wow, this is the worst segment of the year instead of just, ah, that match wasn't all that good. You know? Mm-hmm. So if tomorrow it's supposed to be this whole like, well, isn't it fantastic that we've got like the big surprise of Braun Strowman's partner is that it's, uh, I'm trying to think of something that they would do that I would really hate. Um, the big Alberto like, Del Rio. Oh God. If it's fucking Alberto Del Rio. Then I'll just be like, no, 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 fuck. Oh my God, I'm going to eat like so much more pizza just because I'm like angry now. Like that kind of a thing. <laughs> but you give me good spectacle, I'm going to love it. And if that's the difference maker between the two, if it's going to be like TakeOver is our really good wrestling show and WrestleMania is our really good spectacle show, but they're on par with each other. If tomorrow's spectacle is as good as tonight's in-ring action is, tomorrow will kick ass. Oh, yeah. I, I, it's also... It's hard to say because of just how consistently high standard NXT takeover events are. But this has got to be in the top, like, three takeover events of all time. Just from the the, the top, the, the um, like, the opening match and the the um, main event were two of the best matches in NXT history. And everything in between it, like, ranged from good to great. So even if the bits in between were kind of like drowned out by how good the other two matches were, 
it still has to go down as like an overall event, an overall package, just like way, way up there, which is like high praise because, like I said, NXT just delivers constantly. I really hope that if they do end up getting picked up by Fox, that the NXT product doesn't suffer in quality. You know what I mean? Because then it becomes, oh, we got a TV show to do for Fox. Now it has to be even better. And it turns into like a mini Raw. And I don't want that. Mm -hmm. I love what NXT is. And I would like it to stay that way. Uh, Any other last thoughts from anybody? Um, Real quick question. Mostly directed at you, Tony, because you were watching during the In Your House days. Do you like the TakeOver name? Like TakeOver, colon, wherever, whatever area it is? Or would you rather it be like whatever, more so based on the actual program they're promoting, like Good Friends, Better Enemies? It's weird. I, I like it and I don't like, um, I don't like the idea that I can't remember what anything is. So it's hard to be like, oh, that really good match with Amos and Gargano that took place. Then I'm like, uh, Philly. Like, that kind of a thing. Like, it's hard to do that. If it would have been something like, man, that happened at, I hate this name, but, like, at Vengeance, then it would be like, all right, yeah, Vengeance, I remember the logo around there. Like, that, that's easier. But I don't like those type of names where it's just, all right, it's Armageddon, Vengeance, Judgment Day. It's just, ah, oh, these are things that sound rough, you know? Well, so, no, that's why I'm saying more so, like, they used to do the In Your Houses, like, when it was, you know, in Canada, they did the Canadian Stampede. Oh, uh, so kind of like how it was, like, take over the end? Yeah, like, like takeover rival, like take over, that kind of thing. Takeover war games, takeover rival, you know. Huh. I think in that scenario, takeover doesn't make any sense because who are you taking over? You're taking over rival, like that kind of thing. So if they called it like NXT such and such, then sure. But I kind of like the idea that it's just NXT Takeover Brooklyn Four and stuff. Like that's something different a little bit. So I kind of like that. I do miss In Your House, though. I really wish that they would, like, to have something on the WWE Network that they could call In Your House and bring back that old theme, too. Oh, yes. <laughs> in Your House. That kind of thing. Uh, yeah, all right. Well, that's it for NXT TakeOver New Orleans. Great fucking show, as we've been saying. Yeah, I'm sure everybody else dropping their comments below as well and telling us the things that they really enjoyed. Make sure that when you're doing that as well, you give us uh, your thoughts on where you'd like to see these titles go in the future. Like, who do you want to be the next North American champion? And for that matter, if you haven't seen anything with the title, what do you think about the title design? I don't like it, but I'm part of the minority. And uh, anything else you guys want to toss out, toss them out in the comments below. Make sure that you also hit that subscribe button as well and you ring that bell for notifications because... This is not the only pay-per-view point edition of the show that we've got this week. Obviously, we've got a post-show tomorrow night when we're all dead tired, and it'll be a nine-hour goddamn uh, episode of uh, WrestleMania, but it'll be WrestleMania 34, so we'll at least be at least somewhat pumped for that. And if it sucks, we'll really ram it, and if it's awesome, then we'll talk about how great that is, too, but that's Wait, coming Tony, up. Wait, Tony, you mean we're not doing a pregame show at 3 o'clock? For Mania? Yeah. You know, I thought about doing pre-shows uh, in the past. Nah. <laughs> Not happening. WWE had taken that attitude that you took. <laughs> they really should have. <laughs> Same thing for their post-shows, you know. Who watches Talking Smack and stuff anymore? It used to be so good. 
you did the post things of those and so john you lost huh yep i lost but uh tomorrow night i'll act like i didn't and everything um that's coming though everybody of course and if you are on itunes and stitcher then the other way that you guys can follow what is happening as far as activity on these things is to follow us on facebook and twitter at smart out moment obviously if you're not checking smartoutmoment.com itself for everything else that's happening there I don't know what you're doing because this whole thing is based off of smartcatmoment.com. That's kind of the point. Uh, last thing to do, though, is to go around the horn here and give everybody else a little bit of time to plug anything that they want to plug. Callum, you're up first. Uh, well, you can follow me on Twitter at Wigmeister14. Robert? All right. Follow me everywhere at DudeFelice. Follow my apparel line, timekillerapparel.com. Uh, if you're at WrestleCon... Go see James Storm and Just Incredible with Masters of Ring Entertainment. I'm doing some work with them. So, you know, if you're there, go see them. They'll be there at least until 3 o'clock tomorrow, right before Mania. Go enjoy yourself. We'll be here tomorrow. Braden? And it'd be wonderful if anybody who's listening to this could follow me at Twitter. That is at SpoodBeast. For spelling clarification, that is S P O O D. B-E-E-S-T. So, Noah, I do the old double E for the beast, not uh, E-A, as uh, some people might have it misspelled. Maybe maybe Tony will uh, clarify that in uh, the description or whatever. But, yeah, that'd be cool. Spood Beast Incarnate. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, I'm at Tony Mango all over the place. And Fanboys Anonymous is another thing to mention for anybody else that's interested in the movie reviews and stuff like that. No idea what is happening on the next thing that I'm doing for that because this is WrestleMania week. That's domineering everything. Next week, we'll talk about some fanboy stuff maybe. I don't know. Actually, yeah, because I'm probably going to see Rampage because that seems like the type of movie that I can just shut my brain off and just shove popcorn in my face and be like, go fucking beat him up, Rock, like that kind of thing. Oh, yeah, and they showed the... uh Trailer oh Christ! Oh God! I already blocked it out. Yeah, that, never mind about the musical performances. The worst part of the night was this stupid ass Paige thing, because she looks awful, and that movie looks just as bad. So you're gonna hear me bitch about it tomorrow, because I'm sure they're gonna show it like three or four more fucking times tomorrow. Um, but that'll be tomorrow. So we will see you then, everybody. Tune in for that. We will talk to you when we talk to you. This has been another Smart Out moment, and we're being counted out. 